Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Hello, Lions fans. This is Jeff Rizzo with the Detroit Lions Podcast and Lions Wire. And since the Lions played on Thursday night and beat the Packers, very satisfyingly, I might add, it's Sunday. There's no Lions football. Let's do a mailbag. I posted these, uh, as I always do, to the uh, podcast Patreon Slack channel. Uh, asked them to give me some questions, and they gave me some good ones. I have not pre-screened these, and I always do these in one take, so you get my honest answers. Uh, they might not always be the most informed, because I don't do... I, 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 like, the, I like the spontaneity of it, so uh, we're going to go with that. Um, I do have one question, though, also that I got from Twitter uh, Saturday night that's a very good one uh, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer on here as well, because uh, it's something that I think uh, Lions fans will care about. Oh, well, let's let's see what we got here. All right, we got uh, from Mister Lava Lava. I know who that is. Moving forward, is Jack Campbell an off-ball linebacker who occasionally rushes, or a Parsons-esque pass rusher from the line who sometimes drops? That's a question that's got a lot of tentacles to it. Uh, some of that depends on what the future is with Alex Anzalone and Derek Barnes and Rodrigo, because I think the fact that Barnes can do the pass rush stuff and the more edgy stuff is things that the other guys can't do. And that's a role that the Lions don't really have. That's that's a role that James Houston and Julian O'Quarr were going to play. But guess what? They're both not on the roster right now. Houston's hurt. He's maybe coming back late in the year, but I wouldn't count on a lot. And he wasn't very good when he played. And Okora, who knows what's going on? They still haven't activated him off the off the PUP. So Campbell's really the only guy that can play that role. And I think that's more of why you're seeing him there than any desire to make him a position change because he is, he is a natural Mike. Now, the issue is, is that that's also kind of Anzalone's deal. And Derek Barnes has been doing fairly well playing Shouldn't really call it a mic. It's more of it. They they run the the two ILB look, and uh, those guys are definitely inside linebackers. Anzalone can play some outside. Uh, Barnes maybe. Um, the interesting thing here is that they're not asking Barnes to do the pass rushing, uh, or not as much as they are Campbell, and that's weird to me because he was a really good pass rusher at Purdue, and they for whatever reason have just not done that. Now some of that is the fact that you're finally seeing the fruits of the labor of the position transfer. Where, where Barnes finally looks comfortable and really, really good playing the off-ball linebacker role. Uh, and I don't think that they want to necessarily mess up with that. And Campbell has a diverse enough athletic profile that he can do so that. Um, it's growing pains, too. Uh, but I think I think it's nice to have that in the bag. But I think you're going to see him long-term being much more of an off-ball linebacker. But we'll see. Next question. Um, okay, this is this is sort of related to it. Um, from Trade Pakistan. Seems like uh BJ and Campbell are still a little unsure on how to Oh, okay. I th- I thought it was gonna be Brad Holmes. Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell are still a little unsure on how to best use utilize Jameer Gibbs. Why do you think that is? I think this is a fantasy football problem more than it's a real football problem. I think that 
David Montgomery is clearly the lead back. He's been great. I don't understand necessarily the consternation for why people are getting upset that David Montgomery, who's playing really damn well, is getting all of the carries. And Jameer Gibbs, who's been hit and miss on his carries, isn't. Like, you're trying to win football. You're not trying to win fantasy football titles here. I think you saw in week three when Montgomery was out that Gibbs played very well. Uh, was it 17 carries for, I think it was 77, 79 yards, um, making some bro- broken tackles. Uh, he did drop a pass. He hasn't had the balance through contact that I want to see, and nor that I saw at Alabama or Georgia Tech for that matter. I think that's something, I think the speed of the game at the NFL level is something that he's still adjusting to, and that's going to be a work in progress. So you're looking at it this way. Would you rather have, would you rather take, Montgomery, who's been very, very effective. He destroyed the Packers. Um, he destroyed everybody he's played against this year. He's, he's been fantastic. Do you want to give him less reps in place of a guy who's struggling some, but also showing real flashes of being, I don't know, uh, uh, Alvin Kamara-esque, um, Austin Eckler-esque. That, like, those, those guys lasted as long as they have and are special because there are not necessarily guys that are going to get a ton of carries, but when you sprinkle them in, you get more maximum impact out of it. And I think that that's what the Lions plan is, was, and will be with Jameer Gibbs. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that catch that touches the ball in, in a, in a situation where the, the backfield is healthy. I don't think he's ever going to get more than 15 carries. I don't think he's ever going to get more than five or six targets in a game. Um, maybe as, as the matchup goes, he might get, he might get more than that target wise, but, and, and so this comes into, well, they drafted him number 12 overall. Yeah, they did. And I think that that's, uh, that's something that you're going to have to deal with, that they drafted a, a weapon, but not necessarily a, a overly used weapon. Excuse me there. I had to sneeze. <laughs> uh, he's, he's been fine. I, I haven't heard any complaints at all from inside the building. Haven't heard a lot of complaints from Lions fans. Most of it is coming from national analysts and fantasy football people. Fantasy football is not real. Stop being dissuaded by them. Thank you. Next. Uh, oh, this is a good one. I like this one. Uh, from Nicholas K. What has the defensive line done different in the last two weeks to create more pressure in sacks? All right, this is good because this is something that we saw and Dean Campbell actually addressed it after the Seattle game, where they he talked about guys just have to win their one-on-one matchups. Well, maybe the scheme needs to help them a little bit, and they didn't do that at all in Seattle. It was straight like they almost two gapped up front. Um, I don't I don't think that they were necessarily supposed to be doing that, but that was the net effect of it. And now they're knifing into gaps. They're attacking the gaps better. You're seeing twists. You're seeing stunts. You're seeing gimmickies. Um, you're, you're seeing loops. You're seeing setup and and blitz feigns and and actual blitzes, and it's working very well because I think the the offensive line is being confused. This goes back to something that I wrote at Lions Wire after uh, the Atlanta game, when this defense and the personnel specifically um, outside of Eden Hutchinson get help from the scheme and from from Aaron Glenn, you know, doing different things than just go beat your guy. Um, actually give them physical instructions on how they can beat their guy and let them do more creative things to beat their guy or guys. Uh, 
It works fantastic. It's a great defense. I think you're seeing Aline McNeil blossom because he's allowed to do more. Like, oh, you you, you know you you want to you want to rush it. You want to you want to crash the right guard so so Kaminsky can loop inside you. So Hutchinson can loop from the other side and go in the same hole. Like, yeah, do that. They didn't do any of that early on, and I think that that's a mistake that Aaron Glenn rectified. And I hope that we keep it up. Interestingly, in the Green Bay game, we saw them sort of get back to the passive, more vanilla things, and that's when Green Bay started to make a little bit of a comeback. And I hope that Glenn gleans from that film that that you just can't do that. It, you know, you this. I'm sure there's going to be some questions on this, but in general, I wanted the Lions to go out and step on their necks, snap their throats, do whatever, uh, and they didn't really do that Thursday night. And I understand their rationale for why. But next time, I want to see a little bit more aggression um, out of that to preempt a, a couple questions that might come. All right. Uh, from from Modman to the coaches hate J-Mo. And by the way, everybody in the Slack who responded to this laughed at it. I'm going to laugh at it, too. It's a fun question. No, they don't. It's... I, I just hope we see J-Mo smiling as he catches a touchdown pass. In week five in Carolina. I really, really want I really want that. All right. Um, oh, good question here from, from Steel Hank Reardon. Lions seem to be on a roll. Do they need to make any acquisitions or trades to take this thing the distance? Or do you think we've got the squad? That's a good question. I think if you can get Mike Evans, I'd be interested in that. as the, Even as a one-year rental. That's uh, that's really dang good football player who feels the need that the Lions have even with Jamo coming back. I'm not going to say no to that. Do I think they're going to pursue it? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think they want to commit. So this is one of the things. If they trade draft assets, I can see them doing it. But the problem will be is that they have a lot of mouths that they've got to feed after this offseason, including including golf. And I saw the, the a question on here. I'm going to get to that one next because it relates to this. You got to pay Panay. You got to pay Amonra. You got to pay Goff. You got to pay CJGJ if you want him back. And I think he does want to come back. There are extensions to be had. You got to pay Derek Barnes if he keeps playing the way he is. He's going to he's going to command a lot more money than I think we all expected. Some of that money is the cap room they have now that's going to get pushed forward, rolled over into 2024, and they're going to use that so they don't have to put on seven void years on Jared Goff's contract. Like that's that that's their plan. It's pretty clear that that's their plan, and we've seen them react that way. If you bring in a Mike Evans or a, I'm trying to think like there, there aren't really, I mean, a defensive pass rusher, um, just if somebody gets hurt or something like that, I, I don't, I don't think the Lions want to pay that. Um, and I, I think they're confident enough in the guys that they've got that unless there's like catastrophic rash of injuries, like Hutchinson goes down, I think that would change that dynamic. But because I think that that would seriously impact their ability to win even one playoff game. Uh, because, like, look, as much as we're liking Romeo Okora and who's played very well and Kaminsky and, you know, they're not they're not the catalyst. And I think if you lose the catalyst, you might have to do something to to patch that hole, uh, especially if Hutchinson's going to get back late in the year. But it's just that's just hypothetical. 
I don't think that they're going to make the move. Uh, would I want them to? Yeah. Like, again, I'm not saying no to Mike Evans, but I, I, I really don't see that, that happening. They're not making a move for a quarterback. They're not, that, no, I, I see these weird rumors from these accounts that aggregate things that aren't true. And, uh, I just shake my head and you should too. Um, so where's the question? I saw it here. <laughs> when does the golf extension happen? That's a great question because I do think that's coming and I think it's coming during the season. And I don't, I did not think that going into the season, I didn't think that they were going to get that. But I think bye week is a great time to get contract negotiations done. I think Jared Goff has proven that last year's finish was not a fluke. He's playing great. I know he's thrown an interception in three straight games. Okay. That he's taking a little bit more chances too. And I think that. You know, playing behind the offensive line that he had, um, by and large, you know, in the first couple of the games where he threw the interceptions and just missed cues, that's going to happen. Um, he's not going to go 300 passes again without throwing an interception. I think his ability to master his mastery of Ben Johnson's offense and the way that he is running it, he's just he's so dialed in and integral to everything that they do on offense that I do think they're going to reward that with an extension. How much is it going to be? You didn't ask that, but I'll try to answer it. It's going to be over $50 million a year. I think it's not going to be like seven years, whatever that times 50 is, three fifty. He's not getting Mahomes' money. He's getting Kirk Cousins' money. He's going to get um, that. I well, was, I wrote it down, too, and I don't, I, and I don't, want to, don't want to flip through the internet while I'm doing this. But, uh, my guess would be somewhere in the three years, $155 million range with a Fairly hefty portion of that guaranteed, and then a void year or two or three tacked on just for cap purposes. That's that's what I expect him to get. Doesn't mean that's what he's gonna get. Doesn't mean he's not gonna get more or less. That's just my my general ballpark figure from where I'm settling at. And I do think that they are trying to get that done now. I've heard rumblings that. And by the way, Goff is not involved in the, the, this. Is he is one of the players who believes that you hire your agent to handle these negotiations and the agent will handle it and he'll come to the player when it gets serious and not before then. That's that's there's a lot of players that do that, by the way. I I, I think that uh <laughs> I don't I don't think that, that a lot of fans appreciate that that is something that agents actually do for their players. Um not every player wants that, but Goff is the guy who doesn't want to deal with negotiations until it's almost time to sign the dang contract. So I think that's that's where we're at with that. From Brandt, like this one. With the caveat that we are early in the early part of the season, who or what has been the biggest surprise so far and who or what has been the biggest disappointment? Biggest surprise. Um, I would say Aleem McNeil, but I was pretty bullish on him this offseason and he has lived up to it. I think disappointment-wise, I'll, I'll, I'll do that one first because there's a couple that, that popped up in my head instantly. One is that Broderick Martin isn't playing. Uh, he's a third-round pick. I know that the defensive line is doing fine with Benito and Bugs and Aline. Uh, they're doing fine. I still would have liked to have seen him get active and just just be active for a game. Maybe get some reps, you know, in the second half of that or towards the end of that that Packers game, just to get his feet wet. My understanding from talking to somebody in Allen Park um, after Week Two was that he's just not consistent enough in practice and at, at pad level and gap assignment and and responsibility, spe- specifically in the run game. 
And that's something that he's got to work on before he gets active. But that's, that's been a little bit disappointing because I thought that he showed some things in the preseason and also the joint practices against the Giants. I thought he thought he looked like he could contribute, you know, 10 snaps a game. And we're not seeing this. That, that's disappointing. Um, I have been disappointed in James Mitchell uh, getting – he got 12 snaps the other day and, and er, by the way, earned the low pro football focus grade that he got. Uh, I don't think he was the lowest, but he was he was down there. Got two snaps the week before. I think it was two snaps the week before that. He's just not made the step that you hope. And one of the things that we we saw it in training camp, and any of you who were, were at training camp and, and came to the Lions training camp party, but thank you for, for coming up. He's just not fast. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to say that he's like Michael Roberts out there, but there's not a lot of suddenness to anything that he does. And I think that that's going to be more of a struggle than, than we expected with him coming out of Virginia Tech. I think he's healthy. I don't think it's the knee bothering him. I think it's just he's just not that twitchy guy that I think a lot of us wanted him to be. So that's been a disappointment too. Um, but again, that that's a that's a fifth round pick from 2022 that's not doing great. Um, other pleasant surprise, I will say, I got to give it up to Ifiatu Malifanu. And there was another question about him, and I will just preempt this um, without reading it. I think if he's been the best iffy we've seen. And I do think that specifically in the Packers and Falcons game, when he was asked to attack and given one, like, Hey, this is what you do on this play. Do it. Don't worry about what else is going on. He's been really good. He can react off that very well. It it keeps him blinded. He's not like distracted by everything that's going on. Read and react is not what he does. He is a proactive player. I want to see him not reacting so much other than to what's in his direct line of vision. And I think that's something that has bothered him uh, going back to college. It showed on his college tape. You know, he was a guy that like, uh, to quote the, the dream theory, so there's nowhere to set my aim, so I'm everywhere. Uh, he's he's doing a lot better when he's given a, a focal point. And I think that that's something that he has worked very hard at. He deserves credit for that. Look, I've given him an incredible amount of crap over the years. He's playing well, and I think it's here to stay, and that makes me very happy. So I, I like that with Ify. Uh, wow, we're uh, we're up on 20 minutes here. I'm going to do a couple more. All right. Um, <clears throat> so this is from Chef James. This is a good one. I like this. Um, so who will start or play in this next game, Jerry, Jerry Jacobs, or uh, Emmanuel Mosley, or some sort of combination? You're going to see a combination, and I think there's a – combination of reasons why <laughs> sorry for the cheesiness on that I deserve a little coffee for that one yeah some of it is the fact that mostly hasn't practiced much and we're gonna see him get some reps this week during practice i hope to be over in allen park on thursday uh I, i'm en route to somewhere else and uh hope to hope to be able to, to see a little of that firsthand he just hasn't had the reps. Remember, this is a guy who has had two live-action practices since last October. None of them full contact. But I learned the other day that I erroneously spoke and said that one of them was. They weren't. Uh, he's basically been through two walkthroughs in a year. Kind of need a little bit more experience than that. So I do think that, and Dan Campbell mentioned it, they're going to ease him back in. The other part of this equation is that Jerry Jacobs just played a phenomenal game against Green Bay. Redemption. For Jerry Jacobs, made me very happy. He got his hands on four balls. He caught two of them. He probably should have caught the third. I think Jerry will admit to that. He played great. 
again, he was aggressive. He was allowed to play to his strengths. And I think that's something that Aaron Glenn has has done in the last couple of weeks that have done very well. Now he was he did not have a good matchup in in Seattle or Atlanta. And his play reflected it. I think you saw Jerry at his best, and I think that that's something that they want to keep. And I think you're going to see them split it, and I wonder if they will mix and match the split based on what Carolina does at wide receiver and also a quarterback. Bryce Young might not play. Who knows what's going on with their wide receivers? I would like to see Jerry match up against DJ Chark because I think he knows how to handle that because he practiced against him very well. And I think Jerry's more physical style will, will suit that well in disrupting the timing. Uh, we'll see about that, but I, I, I wonder about that. But I do think you're going to see them both. And if I had to call the, the snap percentage split, I think you're going to see Jerry maybe 60 to Emmanuel's 40%. That, that's my guess anyways. I do want to get to the one that came from, from Twitter here. Uh, let me pull it up here. It's from uh, Christian Lehman. That's a great question. Uh, do you think that having a kicker who could consistently hit 55-plus yard field goals would change the strategy for, for Ben Johnson and, and Dan Campbell or would they still be just as aggressive when appropriate? So this is a question that we've discussed in the Lions media amongst ourselves at practices a lot. And the general consensus, and I am I'm a card-carrying member of this, is that they wouldn't try those field goals even if they had a kicker who could reliably do it. And some of that stems from a conversation I had with Dave Fipp during uh, training camp. Uh, also talked to FIP in a couple of different press conferences, and he's kind of hinted at the same thing, but not. They are much more focused on getting aggressive and winning the analytic metrics. And the analytics, by and large, say that unless it's like a, a situation where you absolutely have to have the points, kicking a 50-yard field goal is stupid. Kicking a 55-yard kick is asinine unless it's like fourth and fifteen. If it's fourth and three and you choose to kick there, the analytics tell you you're you're playing to lose. Dan Campbell's a big believer in that. I know people don't necessarily buy into that because of his persona and everything, but they study the analytics very heavily. They have an analytics department in the Detroit Lions. They lean on those things very heavily, and Dan is a believer in that. So the aggressiveness, I don't think, would change whether they had that kicker or not. The one time was when they issued the kick, and this was in the Seattle game, and Patterson could have kicked a 49-yard field goal and gotten points, and Dan went for it instead. That was that was one of those where I, I believe the metrics said uh, that it was a borderline call. Like, you could go or you could kick, and it's kind of like your win percentage change that you have, which I, I'm not a big believer in the win percentage thing, but it is what it is. Um, that, that, that was a, sort of a neutral call. And I do think that in those situations that having a more reliable long-legged kicker, long-ranged kicker, um, would help sway towards taking the, the the more sure three points rather than trying to, to go for it, you know, fourth and four at the opposing 29. I do think that that would make a difference there. So I hope that answers the question. Uh, it is interesting to me that Michael Badgley is still around, still on the practice squad. He clearly has a bigger leg than Riley Patterson. But I'm not sure that they trust it. And I think it's one of those situations where, you know, Patterson has been very good. One of the things that we saw all summer was that Patterson was like really close shaving a lot of his even mid-range kicks, you know, 37 yards. He's just barely getting it inside that left upright. He's been solid, been strong, no, no complaints. 
through through what his what his performance has been. Um, I would have liked to have seen the kick in Seattle, and that, again, I don't. I just don't think that that's something that Dan really is all that interested in 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 kicking fifty five yard field goals. And I know it goes against the grain of what we as Lions fans who have been blessed with Eddie Murray and Jason Hansen and Matt Prater over the years, you know, fantastic long range kickers. It's it's weird, but it's just something that we're gonna have to get used to because that's that's not what Dan Campbell rolls. Uh you know what? Let's let's wrap that. We're we're having a fun day. Enjoy a Sunday of football. I'm recording this Sunday morning. Um hopefully it gets up uh, sometime Sunday and you can watch this. If not, enjoy Monday Night Football. And uh we will talk about the Carolina Panthers and uh, going against the first place three and one Detroit Lions in week five later this week. Thanks. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. You've had enough of that shit.